0: There's a place I have found in the shade on the ground. Far from a- Hello and uh, welcome to Find Permaculture podcast episode seven. How do you think? I skipped two episodes to line them up with the lunchtime learning. <laughs> Just to make it simpler. Oh, we'll fall in the blanks later. So this week was episode seven and Lunchtime Learning and we covered I covered dwarf trees. In the garden. So it's basically it's small space garden as a the theme. Uh Crystal gave a tour of her garden in Australia on container gardening and then clean covered berries. Um so welcome, Mike. Thanks for joining me.
1: Pleasure to be here, Cormac. Uh
0: um, also
1: introduce my um my partner here today. The avocado. Um, very nice. Yeah. Yeah, she lives here in this this container. Um in, in our there's snow outside here in Vermont, but it's uh, 70 degrees in here, so she likes it. Although she might have a little root rot, and I'm finding out. So,
0: and what, sorry. and what, and, uh, what happens mm-hmm. with root rot? If you want to just explain that,
1: avocados. Uh, well, I'm learning about it myself. Avocados, they, they don't like a lot of water. They like warm, not a lot of water, dry soil. And of course, I watered it, <laughs> so we got it for Christmas. It's in the house. It's right here by the heater. So there there's, we have a. Uh, one of those uh, mini split heaters. Right. Um, there. And it's blowing directly down on. Um,
0: I, I, I've I never had avocados here. So I never grown them. So I don't really know anything about them in terms of hands on experience.
1: Uh, either do I. This was gifted to us. It's not something here in Northern Vermont. In yeah. US, zone four not something we're that brave about uh, taking on, but we do have uh, a greenhouse and I did measure it for two years. So we have zone eight. In their avocado, I believe, is nine if if I don't kill it with uh, by watering it out of fear. So, yeah, it's very dry, like dry soil, like um, not 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 very wet at all. Root rots. I think it's biggest problem with avocado. But uh, you also need to have the other thing with avocado is you need to have um, a way of moving it. It's heavy. And, you know, especially if you're not uh, a weightlifter, you might hurt your back. So like coming up with this because you have to bring it inside and out. Like even even here. And, you know, if you're in Florida, fine, just it'll be fine outside anywhere else. Pretty much, though, Um, have to bring it inside. So that's one of the biggest toxins is how to move it in and out door. So we're working on a system where we can kind of move it seamlessly into the greenhouse on a shelf so that it can get the, in the summer and then the winter can come in here with us again if it survives. So but uh, avocado is a great source of fat. Um, this would be an ethical avocado because you're not, you know, if you look up the, you know, Ethics with the avocado industry, pretty pretty bad. So this way we'd have our own source of uh, avocados.
0: Yeah, I've never had. I've never had avocado toast.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, avocado! Uh, right, that's a it's the, the the hipster thing, isn't it? Uh, well, it's, a, it's one of those key terms and people like to chew on. The uh, avocado at Martha's Vineyard. You could have it at Martha's Vineyard, right? Yeah, uh, Martha's Vineyard. That's interesting. That's where we're our Martha thing. Um, I've never had avocado toast either, but I have had avocado on certain things. It's a great source of fat. If you want to add some fat to some things.
0: Uh right. So small space gardening. Uh I take it your garden's a bit bigger. Now you, you had a uh I have a small space garden here. and mm-hmm. um, so I, I utilize all three of these methods uh in my gardening, especially. So I have I think it's four dwarf trees now. Um mm-hmm.
1: Apple pear, what do you have?
0: Two, two apples, two pears for pollination, okay. and then I have a. I put, a, two, put two plums on last year, one of them died straight away, and then I have uh containers as well. I'll do a bit of a container garden, strawberries mostly. You can sort of move them about. Uh, I have blueberries in containers, so I'm mixing the two themes there. Um, I blueberries
1: in so- containers that's interesting. So you could treat it soil, so blueberries require acid soil, right? Yeah. So you can separate the soil that way you don't have to that's yeah. kind of nice
0: but one thing I haven't figured out is how do you stop the birds eating them
1: <laughs> so, well with a container you could probably yeah. you literally could if you have like a blue high bush blueberry or whatever you're mm-hmm. growing in there you could just get a net Um
0: yeah so... well, well, one of the methods I did was just put it at the front door so that I'm constantly looking at it so I can see it because if you leave it for a couple of days in the ripe, you lose them all so that was I suppose the net at uh, the end is an additional method that if I don't get to see them when they're ready before the birds get them,
1: right. Yeah, um, just keeping them nearby. Um, although <laughs> birds have all day, <laughs> you don't probably to watch them. <laughs>
0: uh, so that was a nightmare to start with the strawberries. Uh, when I started growing strawberries, uh, and a, that was one of the big problems I had was birds. And then when I, I got a net system, just a, like a PVC pipe, covered it with netting, and then. The problem then moved the wasps after that. But uh, now you don't use the netting, they just try and get them early, just, just before they're ripe and then...
1: You mean predatory wasps or just regular annoyance wasps? Annoyance wasps. Just down the run and then the
0: whole bed becomes covered in wasps and you don't want to get near it because there's wasps on it. it <laughs> yeah. uh, so <laughs> then, yeah. then, they just have a feast.
1: I was an exterminator for about three months, long time ago, and Probably a week before I quit was this gigantic thing of uh, wasps. It was wasps. It was actually hornets. I'm sorry. Someone an it. apartment way up in the eve, like three stories up, and I had this big long pole I could barely control, and I uh, knocked the nest and just ripped the whole thing down. It came down on me. I went running for my little exterminator truck, and was like getting zapped in the head with all these hornet um, things. So now I just try to leave them alone. That's why I'm into perm- permaculture. Don't don't fight them. They win. <laughs> uh especially hornets it's a
0: definitely a specialized nice skill getting rid of them like rocks somebody's throwing rocks at your head it really hurts lucky we don't have them here yet but uh i think the yeah. asian hornets make it its
1: its way across europe you mean the uh, murder the murder hornet yeah the so
0: they, they basically murder the bees i think and i think they are in i think they are as far west as east as france but I'm not sure if they've made it to the UK yet but they're 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 making some heady rate of pace across Europe. Um hey, like the garden. So, uh do you, do you use dwarf species or do you do you keep your fruit
1: trees nice and trim? We um <laughs> neither. Neither? <laughs> um, we we planted we planted uh, about 20 fruit trees, uh pear apple um plum cherry about and you know some sea berry and, and some other things uh elderberry about seven eight years ago and we still had a house to build land to manage everything so you know with permaculture you want to do everything and there's all this stuff to do but in reality once you start actually doing it it's like it's really hard That's why you need perma blitzes and friends and stuff like that so um yeah so we have we have standard sized trees that were planted at a standard distance, but we're going to do some dwarf and semi dwarf trees more close to the house, more in a potager. Like I think of a dwarf tree as a very nice potager tree. Gives you a little shade, a little something, an ornament in the garden while you have your other potager stuff. So, like in designs, I'll, I'll like throw some fruit, a couple of pollinating, a pollinating pear fruit trees in a potager garden because it's small. Um, and what do you mean by a potager garden? potager kitchen garden i'm sorry Very the french potager <laughs> um uh, yeah the potager yeah is a kitchen garden so it would be you know you think of permaculture principles and zone 0 is the house zone 1 is immediately outside of the house potager or a kitchen garden would go right there also it's a great place for small containers because you could bring this is your interface to the garden usually it's a kitchen door or some door that you usually come right out into the yard with um, you can put your containers there and they get the sun, but it's also not a far distance to bring them in in the winter, you know. Um, so, but yeah, dwarf trees are great because they um, they grow so fast. They they start producing fruit. We got a Reliance peach here in zone four. It's a cold hardy peach, obviously. I think it was maybe two years old the, when we bought it um, and when we transplanted it. Two years later, we had fifty peaches. Uh, it was too many, actually. We harvested because the branches were falling and, you know, plus you're supposed to, uh, you know, kind of prune some of the fruit so you don't have too much. You get bigger fruit. But, um, yeah, it it, right away. And then the next year, it didn't bloom at all. But that might have been the mistake that we made. Um, But, um, yeah, they're great. What what mistake did you make? I think we let the peaches grow. I think you're supposed to kind of cull them. We're still learning. You know, it's always a learning journey. Um supposed to kind of like pinch off some of them and just allow, like, you don't want four peaches to grow in one cluster. They're all going to be smaller. Plus it's going to be heavier. So you would want to maybe pinch back about half of them. Don't quote me on the numbers. That's quite hard to do. Isn't it? Just when you're sitting it looking is. at that, it, it's like, ah, it I don't is. want to do that. That's not, yeah, that's not my permaculture. I'm more like you and what you've expressed more like, maybe like Mark Shepard and just the general attitude of like, let let nature do the designing let it do as much work as possible you're just there to like tweak things a little you know and increasingly I'm becoming that way more just letting the plants have a, a say in the things you know I'm not like the big designer imposing my will on the land you know it's got to work with the plants they're really they're really who is in charge you know
0: yeah so for Mark Shepard's the stun technique isn't it a sheer total utter neglect and no. seeing what, what survives and what works Um, I think on a small scale because with my fruit trees what I did these let them establish good roots was the first couple of years I harvested all the fruit so I didn't take any fruit I think it was year five or six and then hopefully that gave them a better root system and then when they did fruit it was falling off the tree nearly fell over so maybe maybe I should do it but I think that's okay in a small scale when you've like five trees but I think if you've more you can't you can't be doing that in an orchard
1: (laughs) yeah no um yeah that's that's it's it's so complex everything's so complex with with plants that's another thing that rhythm you know the sheer and sheer total and utter neglect is one extreme and it's not i don't want to say it's extremist it is that's what nature does that's what the forest is doing right now like there's nobody in my forest yet it's perfect you know it just produced a half gallon of syrup yesterday we we boiled it up all day long but um yeah that's that you you have to find a balance between curating your garden and and being realistic because there's other things people do with their lives besides gardening um there's other things to do during the day of course so that's the hard part is finding that balance um we've we kind of made the mistake in the beginning 6 years ago of like trying to take everything on watching youtube videos we could do it all because when you're watching youtube you can do it all you get outside and you can definitely do some things and an amazing thing is like with videos watching videos learning videos is suddenly like you've never done this thing in your life and suddenly because you watched a bunch of videos you can do it. Like I was just finding myself. Oh, I, oh, I know what I'm doing. I, although I've never done it before. Like Shushugiba. I did my vine, my, my um, vineyard with that, with, you know, the wood. But anyway, like, um
0: sorry, what was but, that? <laughs> you say that, but you're going to have to explain it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, Shushugiban? Right. Okay. So that's, that's a, a method of people use it a lot for, for um, waterproofing wood and they'll use it as an aesthetic thing. That'll go out of style quick. Believe me, just a bunch of work, burnt wood on, um, on the house so it's in style right now
0: right so they, they 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 take a flame and burn the wood and it goes black yes and then, then exactly. that's
1: used to preserve it right it does because it robs the bacteria of their food so you're it's almost like an army going through and doing a scorched earth campaign with the burning all the fields and everything like that so it's it's sort of the same it's, it is really the same exact concept so with a uh, a cedar so i went down and cut a bunch of cedar trees the right things chopped them out brought them that took them into the backyard got bought a propane flame thing online which is pretty cool you know and then you just burn you want to burn about a half inch of the bottom of them bottom you know one third that you're I put them about three feet into the ground um, into a stone column like I dug a you know I dug out a, a hole put in the post cedar covered it with stone and that'll keep the water off. put stone on the bottom and the water so it's kind of embedded in stone that should drain all the things off And then you burn a half inch of char takes a little while actually with cedar burn a half inch of char into the surrounding so it's been standing for two years now we'll see if if my vine cordon starts snapping i'll know that something failed but you got to try it it was a good month's effort too it was it was a good amount of time but back to container gardening yes what well, you were uh, saying one more thing about the vineyard you were saying with one thing with the vines that i learned is you have to you have to rob it of its fruit for three years just like you were doing with with the um the fruit the, the uh dwarf tree um you're building it up yeah you're building up the roots i think you're doing the same thing with the vine you don't want it to waste its energy on you know flowering when you don't want that fruit yeah um, it but-
0: broke my heart and you're you're sitting doing like, oh, it i hope this works i hope this works and I, it's like just goes against your own stick, really, because you just want fruit. You just want food.
1: It is, yeah, you're paying it forward. You're you're hoping to you're hoping to get something back. Now, container gardens, containers, et cetera, that's a much much better payoff because it's shorter terms. Usually it can be annuals, but you could do perennials as a perennial. Um if it survives this year, it'll be a perennial. Um, but uh, you know, like it's more accessible, plus, especially a beginner gardener. I don't recommend too small of a pot because that's a small amount of of soil, which means you have almost no microsystem in there. It means you have to constantly add things to it, which if you don't mind and you don't care, then great. But honestly, the bigger the container, the better for any plant. And that's why you have to watch your back and watch how you're going to move it or if you're going to move it. That's an important consideration. Um, but the more soil it has, then the more its roots can get, the less you'll have to water it because there might even be a bit of an ecosystem growing in that container because it's sort of isolated and not being tilled. And so it might actually develop if you keep the balance right. Um, yeah. And that's, and the commitment's much smaller with a container garden. If you're in the city in the urban environments, containers are perfect for that. It's like a nut. You're learning about the plants. Plus you're growing some food. It's something that's manageable, You know, dirt everywhere and all that, you know? Um, so containers are, are really something I never really thought of until the last couple of years. Um, And I realized that like in the city for urban permaculture, you think of permaculture, yeah, you got 10 acres, you got a hundred acres, great. Most people don't have that. Most people have, you know, a smaller amount of land. So containers are great for that. You can have them indoors, you can have them out um, and you can control them and you can control the soil. Um, It's just like, it's like a little, uh, it's like a sandbox instead of going to the beach, you know, it's much more controlled.
0: i seen a guy on YouTube, uh I can't remember what his, his name is, it's Thomas Paine, I think he does, like Eve growing method, and it's, it's quite, uh, what he does is he puts everything on wheels, in containers. Yeah, wheels. And everything's contained, there's a worm farm inside, and it's full of worms, and then he grows everything sort of on the outside of it. And it's you can basically wheel this big trolley, big worm farm, which grows stuff on the outside. And you can turn it, you can move it. So if, you can almost move it with the sun during the day. So you can actually time it. It's a lot of it. And it, it looks fantastic. Like it looks, and with the worms, too, it drives the fertilities inside it. So he, he'd actually put the wrap, <clears throat> the, the, the waste, and in, in with the worms and have this big, like a worm tower thing.
1: It's a worm tower, then. In, in it's the a worm tire on wheels, which
0: also grows food.
1: Oh, oh, the the it's a worm. Ve- it's a vehicle for worms that happens to grow food, or both.
0: Whether it's it's for the worms <laughs> and for the food, it does it does both functions at the same time. So it's. I'll put the
1: link in the description. You can That's, watch it. So what? What was his um? So, can, so can, he can bring this all in for the winter. Is that the purpose of it being mobile? It's a mobile.
0: Well, it's basically for, it's, I think he's designed it for growing in the, uh basically growing in urban environments where you have to move things about and you don't want things to be permanent. Okay. So it's just oh, yeah. it's, it literally like if you see uh, like a, a work bogey, I don't know if you see the big trolleys they use for, if you'll you probably see them, I don't know what they, they use them here anyway in supermarkets where you fill them full of food and you take it out and they stack the shelves with them. Yeah. So it's these big containers and they, uh, four wheels he just wheels it about <laughs> just pushes it about and there's and there's worm farm in there and it's you seem to get a lot of food out of it but that's a good it was like a good a lot of work that's the only the only downside is well there's a lot of a lot of work going into building them getting them right but if you're wrong they put that effort again it's for a high energy gardener rather than a maybe so, someone not so good their hands might find it a bit a bit too hard but I, I thought they were quite good um, yeah, and then what other methods have we got? So we can just put the stuff in pots, and then I suppose for small space gardening, it's uh, like what I would say is uh, lettuce you don't need that much space if you get like cut and come again. Lettuce don't use a lettuce that you sort of plant the seed and then it, you have to wait to get a full lettuce head. What I do is just take the outer leaves, and then that lettuce grows to the outer leaves again. So you get three or four harvests off the one lettuce, and to me that saves a lot of space.
1: I believe it stimulates growth too. If you're if you're picking out like the outer leaves of the the head of lettuce, let's say, hmm. uh, you know, you're not growing a permaculture. Let's don't really grow iceberg lettuce, you know, which is this round, yeah, product, basically a product. Uh, it's more like you know romaine lettuce or arugula or something. It's more of a leafy flowering thing. Where you could take out take the outer leaves off, and then exposing the inner leaves, and then they'll grow even more. So that constant harvest is really nice. That's another thing about um, greens. I think we were talking about the last time. Uh, like I know for me, just from our discussion, I seeing the video that you had done where you had planted you just broadcast kind of greens in a just a rectangular space, maybe six inches of soil or something like that. How many greens do you really need for two people? For four people? Um, so you figure out that square footage, lazy gardening, easy, lazy gardening. If you have a space that can grow greens, however long during the year, you can just broadcast a mix of seeds that you like or make your own mix and just have it there. Constantly be harvesting, you know, that that's your like lettuce garden. And it doesn't even have to be big. And that's practical for anybody, whether it's urban or a uh, hundred acres, you know.
0: Yeah, but it, it's it's small space, so it's close to the house. You could actually do it in a long container. Um so you could have to, like have a half a foot by say three foot container, like a window container.
1: Yeah, a window container, yeah.
0: And you could have easy half a dozen lettuces going in there or salad greens. And that that would do you, you could just keep picking. You make it a salad a week with it, and if you put spring onions in it, a few radish, all of a sudden there's three tiny boxes giving you all this all this food.
1: It's like a freshest salad that you could get. You couldn't you couldn't run down the city street to sweet creams fast enough <laughs> to get a salad any better than oh. you could just sit sitting there in your own window garden.
0: And if you have half a dozen of them, that's you uh, that'll feed a couple of people on salads if you have a salad once or twice a week.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um and you know, health wise, which is something we should all be concerned with, I think. Um we know in our modern society with this amazing abundance that we have, um, that, you know, we, we have, we still have good places on earth where you can grow food and then you have all the corporate feed, which is very tasty. Um, but regardless, we don't get enough fiber. Um, we just don't get enough fiber in general, Americans, English, great, uh, you know, Great Britain, Ireland, you know, all that Western culture, basically. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that's my wife and I, that's a part of our plan is to do that green bed to get in more fiber. We grow black beans um, out, but out on a trellis. That's something else you could do in a container is you could, um, you could actually, you could actually do with like a three sisters garden, which is corn, beans, and some kind of ground cover squash in a container, theoretically, where the corn would become the vertical stalk. And then the you plant three beans three, you know, um, vining beans and they grow around and that's that's your stalk. and they and they also fix nitrogen in the soil which the corn and likes nitrogen and the beans give it nitrogen it's a beautiful balance native americans came up with a long time ago uh we're just talking about it now um and then you have squash on the bottom which is a ground cover the big leaves of the squash cover the soil to keep it moist and the avocado wouldn't want that because it likes dry soil so you wouldn't do it with an avocado but you would do it with with some corn um so, but that could all be, theoretically, in a container. Um, you're not going to get a lot of corn. You're not going to get a lot of squash. You're not going to get a lot of beans. But you would learn about that one system and see if you can get that to work. And you're going to get some corn, some squash, some beans. Unless you have a squirrel anywhere near you, then you're, it's not going to happen.
0: But you did bring up a good point there about trellising. In a uh, small space, I think it's important to trellis right along your boundary, if you have any sort of fence. Because yes. the amount the amount of space that you get, like uh, so trails and crops would be like peas, beans, tomatoes, um, and it because they grow vertical, you can fit say what well, I think it's what like nine peas plants in a in a foot or something. Do you have inches? I do uh, three or
1: four inches. From, uh,
0: so you're you're gonna get you're gonna get loads of crap, but it's all vertical. Squash goes up as well, and you then. Going up and going over as well is quite important. And then you, if you create wee tires, I've seen that in a lot of gardens is where they sort of create this, it's like a cattle panel that goes up, up and over at the top. So they um, they can stand underneath it basically and harvest like harvest different um, stuff.
1: That's what we have. We have four tunnels that are made okay. from cattle panels in a Roman right. arch. Um, and then we that's how we grow our beans over top. And then you can harvest from underneath, you can harvest from outside. It, it's really, if you can do cattle panels, try to get them.
0: And then again, the, the function stack in there, you're creating shade for the salad crops that don't like, then that'll stop them from bolting. So you sort of, uh, no, it's function stacking in there. I don't know, what, yeah, what, do you, what do you, what do you grow under there?
1: Uh, well, we've experimented. We've kind of grown in those for about four years now, four, four years. Yeah. I only built them four years ago. Um, Beets and carrots in a shady spot. We can have the the vines over that. We've done beans, we've done peas. Um, we've done um ground uh groundnuts. We have a groundnut that's growing now, it's a perennial. Um, and underneath we've done fennel, which was a mistake. Um, done buckwheat, which is kind of self-seeding. It's technically an annual, but it's it's a self-seeding. And we we did tomatoes, and it's another thing for if you want to talk about. Let's talk about containers. This is not a small container. It's really a large container, but it's something that just stays there. You can't move it. It's an immobile container. Is you know a raised bed box with cattle panels over top. There's a lot going on. You have in permaculture we talk about the edge. Edge is just basically more surface area. Instead of having a round pond, you'd have a crenulated pond, and that just keeps more area more excitement and more life happens. So when you create that cattle panel over your otherwise boring raised bed box, you now have an ecosystem like Cormac was saying. You have stuff from above, you have stuff that's creating shade. It's almost like in a food forest, the canopy tree creates that shady environment, creates an entire microclimate underneath of it now that different plants can grow. So one thing we grew with this support was tomatoes. Tomatoes with basil and peppers, it's a nice combination. Uh, companion plants um it's actually been proven recently that basil and tomatoes actually help each other. It was like scientifically proven. It was like people knew that in the gardens for a long time now it's been proven in this one study um so we've done that tomatoes and basil together, but the tomatoes can be then supported from above with a string it's like so simple. Tie a string off there, you just have to like kind of spiral it around the tomato' stalk and give it some support some friction. But then I, I tie it in such a way that I can actually adjust the height of the string up above if I want to later. But again, you know, once the season hits you, you end up being busy unless you're insanely organized, super gardener. You're going to, things are going to slip through your fingers, you know. Um, and so you have to, it's better to design systems that are designed to fail and that they'll fail grace, gracefully if you're not there, which seems to happen every year, we're not there for, you know, running around doing all this stuff, but you can't cover all the bases, especially in a busy season. So, um, you know, having, building a large container like such with the cattle panels um, can really be useful because it's stacking a lot of functions. Um, and you just have to be smart. You have to kind of think like a food forest. When you do that, you plant not fennel in there with everything because nobody likes fennel. Fennel's just like, an unliked plant, basically. I know there's some people were, would disagree with me, but fennel's pretty nasty to other plants sometimes. Um,
0: so is that, why, is that why it was a mistake? Did it, did it hinder the other plants growing? It,
1: it, it, just... seemed that it seemed to hinder it. It seemed to like kind of take over. It was right there with the buckwheat. Um, and these are early experimental stuff, you know. And uh, so I, it just kind of got a little overgrown. Um, we did get some fennel. We did get some buckwheat, but, but you need a lot of buckwheat to harvest that. Of course, we've been going through all these dietary issues. So by the time we something we plant something, oh, yeah, we got to grow this. We learn something new. Oh, that's bad for you. <laughs> so by the time the thing's grown, it's like there's no enthusiasm for it. That's happened with some things. But I'll tell you, black beans, it's the best thing. One of the best things we've ever planted because uh, we still have like a gallon left from two years ago. We We eat black beans all the time just from our garden. Can of black beans is two bucks, organic two fifty. So, you know, like we're not saving a huge amount of money, but we we have a huge amount of very high quality beans in the house. Um, and you could grow black beans in containers again, like that with the corn or um, maybe amaranth as a uh, stalk plant. It's also an ornament. Yeah, it's nice. nice.
0: Um... Yeah, don't if you're growing corn, you might have to have a half dozen containers there. They need cross pollination, don't they?
1: Yeah, um, I think of, it's more of an educational guild. Yeah, just uh, starting out farmers. Starting, you know. right. um,
0: starting out, I would starting out, obviously, just go go for your lettuce greens. It's a it's a quick one. They grow quick and they're tasty. Um, potatoes as well. You can grow in containers if you have oh a yeah. half decent size and they're easy that way too. They're easier to harvest. Instead of digging, you just pour the thing out And the wheelbarrow.
1: haven't done that yet. I, we did tomatoes in five-gallon buckets, and I drilled holes through all my good buckets. And then the tomatoes they didn't grow. We kept them in the greenhouse, and there was all kinds of rot and stuff. So tomatoes, but potatoes, I saw that where people, I think it's in somewhere in Asia, um, they just take a whole bag of soil, just buy a bag of soil, and you know this is a for or urban gardener or whatever, and then they put potatoes in it, and then it just grows and it like bursts out of the bag. It's just like all potatoes, and for some reason there's just like all tubers. Um, I haven't done this myself, but it's intriguing to me. I might try oh. to do that this year. Actually, some
0: uh, what I did see, and I've never actually tried it. I think you need the exact a, a certain species, but it's the it's a potato tower. and they say you just plant your potato, and as the potato grows, you put more soil in it. You build this like three foot by three foot container and basically just the potatoes keep on giving and apparently you get fifty kilos of spuds out of <laughs> like nine square foot. But I've seen wow. a few people on the internet build it, but I've never actually seen them harvested with all the spuds on. So a word of warning when you are looking at videos, do you think ah, it's great all this stuff at the start? Make sure you see the final result and make sure you see a number of people doing it because I can only see a couple people do it. And I was like, one guy failed completely. He says it didn't work. And then it's like, well, does that actually work? But it definitely works in the, uh, in the containers because you just, you put say six inches of soil and put your spot on. And as you see the greens come up, you just put more soil in and then uh, people do it in sacks. So it's, you can do it in sacks, you can do it in pots, uh, and as long as that growth keeps coming up, that that sort of the green growth, then you just keep. And what's good about that is you don't you can cover the green the leaf. With other plants, you don't cover the leaf, but with potatoes, you can cover the leaf, and then the leaf will just keep coming up.
1: Through the it sack, find, it'll dig itself out of the soil. Yeah, what what's the advantage of covering up the leaf, or is it just well it just growing? You're not it, having it, to worry it, about
0: it. it as you're going up. You just it's putting out more more. Uh, you get more tubers out of it because it's. I think that's you basically ex-
1: you're you're turning stalk into root by covering it from the light. So the root, the yeah stalk is probably converting to root. And, and I think root. then I, that
0: encourages more tubers. to sort of more sprouts. to to come out. Um, so I've done it that way. I've done it in the ground again. I everything's it's easier in the ground.
1: It is. Yeah. Well, you just throw the yeah, spot on. You have and it's lazy. You, you, you may have a net. See the the ground outside has the internet. Containers they really don't have the internet. They're they're isolated. The ground outside, if it's near a forest, it has the mycorrhizal network. So it's trans- plants are transferring information and nutrients and moving. You know, um, and a container-
0: to- yep a container I think's more if if it's like a period of drought, you have to be out watering your container all the time. You have to keep an eye on it, and that's a big disadvantage. Whereas even through a wet period, as long as your ground's draining well enough, you can pretty much throw the stuff on, you mulch it, and that's
1: it. You walk away. Yeah, for the most part. Mul- mulching container gardens. Yeah, super easy. You, it, it, unless it's like an avocado that wants dry soil, you want to you want to mulch it um, and and keep it. And it's easy. Like mulching a food forest is hard. You need a chipper. You need to deliver all this stuff. It's a significant amount of money, time, effort. Um, whereas a container, you know, buy a bag of mulch and you do a couple of containers and And compost every year, a little on the soil and that'll feed all the soil below. And then some mulch to keep it, keep it.
0: And even if you do get weeds on a lot of weeds, just put a wet newspaper on there and wrap it around the base of your plant, add some compost to the top, and then that kills the weeds and that in turn, it'll feed your, feed your system.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's carbon. It just turns into carbon, starts decomposing, oh. and that's just what soil is, basically. Um, the, um, what was I going to say? The, uh, okay. No. <laughs> All right. uh, there's a thought, something about what you said.
0: Um, so the advantage of a container as well is basically you can, it's very easy to see and treat that one container. It doesn't get out of hand. And if you have a small space in a small garden, it's, it's like that. You see weeds on that, you either, We'd, we'd take the few weeds out. If you get a lot of weeds covered, uh, compost, uh, but if you're doing that for a bigger garden, so basically a container garden suits someone who's probably got less time. But at the same time, you could, you could have a hundred containers and it could take you longer.
1: <laughs> yeah. You might as well grow outside at that point because uh, you're probably mad at the time managing the actual container, et cetera, is starting to really encroach on, on you know your gardening time. Um, so, here, yeah, like, here's a container garden. Here's the situation that I have here. Uh, th- that's what I was gonna say is you you talk about weeds in a container garden. They might be weeds it, it might not be a weed though. um, like I was about to yank out these weeds in my it's according to what your purpose is. If you want a pretty container plant, <laughs> then do what you have to do. if aesthetics is 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 the most important thing, then that's that needs to rule your thing. Otherwise, if you're looking about the health of the plant and the nutrition, et cetera, then you might actually want some of these. Like I found this clover in here growing, you know, it's a weed. But
0: why? All right. Just for the audience, uh,
1: you want the clover because it's a nitrogen fixer. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's a nitrogen fixer in there. So I didn't take it out. It's in there. It's this isn't a great shape. There's a tea bag, you know. Um, <laughs> so we're putting a really minimum effort into this avocado um but uh it's yeah as far as weeds (laughs) it's it's according to how weed there's no such thing as a weed by the way in nature but in our minds there are and it's according to us a personal preference of what we want to consider a weed um nature really doesn't have any weeds but uh you know but it actually as just as you learn about other plants i mean there are some invasive um, plants and stuff that you don't want like grass has a lot of good functions it's not Evil, but it, it's very highly intensive on the soil, and grass also represents like the lowest part of succession, whereas a mature forest is on the other end of that. Um, so grass is very bacterially dominated in that soil, but that might be what you need. So it's always a little more complicated than than you think. Um, but weeds could be your friends if you know who they are.
0: Yeah, that's about. Hi. Right. So don't do be so quick to throw them um, out. Hi. Right, so, what are you up to at the garden at the minute, Mike? Are you? Are you, uh, you mentioned there you were doing syrup earlier. Do you want to tell us a little bit?
1: Yeah. That our although the ground is covered with a foot and a half of cakey, crusty snow today, um, walking through the woods was very hard yesterday because you think the, the snow is going to support you. You get a step or two and then <laughs> your leg goes down. No. So I was doing that all day yesterday. But uh, our trees are yeah, they're providing um, maple sap. And we boil it down. This is a Native American thing. The Abenaki, the Wabanaki, was the larger Native area. And this is technically, actually, where I'm at legally is actually not in the United States. It's it's Wabanaki territory. There was an agreement in the 1800s. One of the two parties broke the agreement. Guess which one. But anyway, so technically, I'm in Wabanaki territory, but the U.S. Army's here, so it's the U.S. in Vermont here. Um, so anyway, they came up with the method of. of uh, boiling down maple sap you can taste it when you taste maple sap out of the tree you can taste the sweetness just a little bit so you can see how they discovered it you're like it was coming out and they like oh that's good it's a 40 to one ratio so i we have we have 60 gallon capacity on trees we use the old-fashioned buckets they're all hanging on the trees i'll provide video of this some video to go along with this for this and um and uh so i figured they they fill up about a quarter they had, you have to, I have, we have to keep empty them. Our bottleneck is our boiler, which is only, can only do 10 gallons at a time. So that's really, we can only really do so much syrup each year because of our small boiler. The trees often produce more sap that we can handle. So I, I try to rush out there and get as much as I can before it rots because it goes bad in a few days. Um, so you end up boiling 40 gallons of sap down into one gallon of syrup. Um, yesterday I got a half gallon, which means I boiled about 20 gallons of frozen sap it was like 20 degrees yesterday it was snowing it's cold um but the fire burned pretty well and i was out of there and probably i started at eight in the morning and i was done by three thirty. i guess pretty tired too so that's all we, right now in the in the garden here besides like plants inside and stuff um there's not much going on in northern vermont here except for maple syrup we're in the height of the sugar season and Honestly, it's it's almost like a secret thing. It's so amazing that uh, you can just have this beautiful syrup after a little bit of work. So that's about as fresh as you get. That is. Oh, very nice. Pure maple syrup. It was in the trees yesterday. Um, and today it's in my refrigerator. It's darker than normal because we actually add chaga. We also have chaga growing right amongst the maples in the same forest. Um, chaga is a medicinal mushroom. It's a crusty, it's a. It's the scab of a wound in it, basically in birch trees. One out of every hundred birch trees will have some chaga on it. We fortunately, we have an old birch with a big chunk of chaga. Can't tell you where I live now because people couldn't get it. But um, So we put chaga in. This is the first time my wife, uh, Jen, she thought of this. And so now this is, becomes like medicinal maple syrup, which is... Is kind of awesome. But that's that's about all that's going on in Vermont right now. Supercharged. But a fresh, a fresh harvest there. Very nice. Otherwise, we'd be doing seed planning and all the regular things. And this year, because we're going to California in the middle of the thing, we're we've we're gonna do the we mentioned about land racing. And we're also upping our container garden game at a greenhouse just just over there, I can see. Um it's like a mess from construction because as you can see, I'm still working on the house and that's been dominating everything but we've been building our knowledge up so that once I can get off the construction thing um be able to focus much more on gardening but i'll have I'm, I'm a much different person than I was five years ago, like as far as what I know and what i what I appreciate actually is what is what's changed my knowledge has changed, but my attitude toward things has changed like you were saying about like a fence a a fence in your yard everyone's got some kind of fence or the wall to your house or something don't buy anything if you don't have to like you can just use that as a container for you know a trellis is is a container it's 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 a container of sorts um you can use that to um that already existing surface which is now exposed to the sun if it's facing south or, or west or east in the morning if you need morning light. Um So, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I I might say going to containerize my garden this year to move.
1: <laughs> That's right. So, so you're um,
0: up. Uh, we are. We're trying to get the house sorted now to get the state agency come and then. So I'll work on inside now this week, and then next week I'll start thinking. Once it heats up as well, like I have a couple of bamboo trees that are ready to be propagated. Ah, oh. so what I like every year, I every two years I'll I'll uproot the bamboo. It's a it's a it's a it's a clumping bamboo, not a running bamboo. So okay, basically it'll say quadruple in size every two years. It almost doubles every year, basically. Wow. But what it happens it, when it doubles? It, it it encroaches in on on the path. So what I do is I dig it up, I divide it in four. I'll plant one back, and then I have three then to, I pass them on. So basically, about two trees maybe six or seven years ago. This is just bamboo, and I reckon there's what maybe ten trees now, maybe twelve that have given out. Okay. And it's, so it's, so I have to do that. So what I'll do is I'll probably get them, I'll pot them up and then I can take them off me. So that's, that's almost a a loving fence straight away.
1: That's interesting. So it's, it's container garden, uh, containers as basically moving boxes. Yeah. So So, yeah, you're, you're preserving a species and giving it this kind of its own, um, well, you're giving it its own little soil, but yeah, you can move it around. That's interesting. Yeah, I think so, Ian had to do that in in Florida when he moved. He had to containerize a lot of his plants and move them to his new place.
0: Yeah, so that basically now he's been uh, this sort of season putting them in containers. They'll probably stay in containers for a year, and then next year they end. They'll be they ready. then They they plant wherever I, wherever I fall, basically. <laughs> Uh, and wherever I land. So the annuals, I'll probably not have the annuals too hard this year. I'll probably have the salads because I have one of the boxes. I'll grow some salad in there. Um I'm going to basically take a risk and try propagating all my herbs. So I have like one herb, like a say for example, I have a I have sage, thyme, and uh oregano or oregano, as you just call it, <laughs> and basically basically I'm going to cut it to bits and try and get as many plants as I possibly can out of my current stock. And I'm taking a risk. I've never done it before, but it's like, right, let's see what happens. And if it survives, I'll have hundreds of plants. If it goes wrong, I'll just start again.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's the thing with the plants is a super high profit ratio. You know, (laughs) you plant a seed and suddenly you have a hundred seeds the next year and, you know, or whatever. So uh so I'm, I'm hoping they're gonna make a go bigger, failure bigger. with that. What's that? There's no there's no way to really fail unless you destroy all your fruit trees somehow. Then
0: Well, that's that's the thing. Do I uh I don't want to leave the fruit trees for someone just to come on and knock them over.
1: Yeah, no, you would you would leave them because you're a permaculture guy, you would leave them there as a fair share for the future. But if you know somebody's the somebody's just going to destroy them then, try to save them.
0: So it's like, right, how do you, how do you propagate them now? And could I get a big enough container for them? Uh you have it's,
1: trees it's, to move? What? you have dwarf trees to move or something?
0: Well, I have four dwarf trees in there. Uh, the oh, that's plum, right, you have two apples, pl- two pears. Uh, the plum was planted last year. I have no bother about digging that up and taking that, because I don't think the roots, I don't think the roots will have grown too much in that, but it's the other ones that have roots well established, but Worst case, what I'll do is I'll just trim the roots really, really low, trim above really low. And then just so there's sort of minimal work to be done.
1: Have you thought about taking taking scions off of the trees?
0: Right. So to me, a scion is the thing where you basically strip the bark back and you, you cover it over, is it, with a plastic? And then well, you...
1: You make a cut into the stalk, usually like a V. Yeah, there's different kinds of cuts. It's like a W cut, which is more complicated. Um, so you take you take a you know you want three or four buds on your scion, um, at least. And so yeah, you you you, you cut it. Um, we have a special tool. Like some people really go with a knife, and they could do that by hand, and that might be the better way. We actually bought a tool that makes that cut. Um, 90 percent of the time, it works. Um, and then, what you're doing is you're basically in the the um, phylum. What the hell is that called? The uh, the fleshy stuff inside of the 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 stalk. Um, you're trying to expose that all the vascular systems in there. So when you cut it, when you just if you were to just make a regular cut, that's a minimum amount of area. It's not going to stick together. If you make a V cut, it gives it some structure. Also gives it a bunch of surface areas so that it's contacting and it can start healing and growing in a thing. And then you would wrap it up with some tape. Um, But if you were to take some scions and then get some rooting compound, dip it in there, plant it in a container for your move, then you could suddenly, you could honestly, if if you could cut enough scions off your trees, you, you might be able to plant, just plant your forest. You just have to wait for it to grow. But if you cut them now, put them in containers, they're starting to grow and then you can move them. They're not gonna grow that fast, apple trees.
0: So you reckon to do, do that now at this time of year? Because I must, they're not dormant anymore because they're starting to bud. Do so you reckon do it now?
1: I don't think now. I think that would be a, a, a late winter. Um, don't quote me on this exactly. Uh, uh, so. I don't they, think you want to do it while they're gearing up for everything. I um, uh, So so more. I have
0: to I have to figure out a way they do it when they now because I, I must I know I must have one though but it's like everything. You say do it next week, do it next week, and now it's spring their they're budding and they're they're not dormant anymore. It's like ah, uh, what do I do? <laughs> you, you can also
1: you can also just do it because I, I like to quote my sister-in-law: the plant didn't read the book, so
0: Aye, it, if you if week, you have yeah. a
1: fear of doing it because Mike said something about maybe not doing it, you know, um, it it might not be wrong. Just cut them. I mean, unless you're going to damage the tree, but if you have extra branches and everything, you could just see if it works, just to start experimenting with it. No, um,
0: what I'll do probably is probably. do Every method, and then it'll make a nice video and it'll make a nice experiment, and I'll say, God, that worked. And then next year I can actually do it myself with confidence.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it takes it does take some time. We 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 screwed up like eight trees. Um mainly it was because of construction, honestly. They weren't we just couldn't get them in, but we kept them in the containers. We kept them in the containers, and it was like a year later, and then we went back to them and they were all dead. Yeah, forgotten and dead. So that was a lesson we learned. It's just a matter of timing. It wasn't really anything we did wrong except for neglect them. So if you have plants that are in containers, you can't neglect them. This container is, it's the, it's, it's the golden yoke for a plant. It means th- they got things taken care of. Yeah, you know, they, they don't have to do the work themselves anymore. They got the golden yoke. Unless of course the person that's supposed to be doing the stuff for them doesn't do it. And then, then you have trouble. So it's, it's really about expectations really with any of these things, these containers allow a lot of things to happen in places that normally couldn't people that don't have land, they don't have a lot of space or they want to grow tasty food in the North in a naughty climate, like I'm in like avocados in Vermont. Um, So containers are really like super flexible and it really, I don't know if you could feed your family off of just containers a little bit for sure. Um, I think of containers as, while you're in the city, before you get your land, use containers and, and start using that to build up knowledge. Or if you're a cook and you're always going to live in the city because you like the city and all the advantages that a city give you, you can find a balanced system that's just right for you, X number of containers that you can handle and feed your, you know, your dinners. If you got fresh pepper for dinner in the winter or, you know, whatever, some fresh greens all the time. Um yeah,
0: even just you could you could have a herb garden and supply all your herbs. Just be self-sufficient in something in one thing on the containers, and if the price of food's gone up, whether it's fresh greens or herbs, start there. And you, you, uh, as you say, but you have to look after them. You have to look after that that we, we piece of life on there.
1: Yeah, because so it, it's isolated now. Its soil is we. Okay, I'm going to make a big statement here human beings we are container gardens we're mobile container gardens and this is why we remember we evolved from plants it was like you know protozoa bacteria and then plants and then animals and then mushrooms actually so fungus actually evolved from animals but anyway we evolved from plants plants are the only creature on the planet that can create its its energy from the sun um directly and um so therefore, we had to, as animals, we being animals, as we evolved, um, we took that soil that was just laying everywhere and we mobilized it. And so we've wrapped that soil up into what is our gut now. So that interface with bacteria and nutrition is, is happening in our gut. It's, it's a uh, a much wetter, stinkier version than the what's on the outside. But Inside of us is um, basically a garden um, with bacteria who's working on our own internal soil. We're bringing in compost through our mouth basically to feed the garden below. Um, so yeah, that's, um, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, so we are really human beings are container gardens. If you consider our gut, our microbiome, our gut microbiome, our soil, which it is, because we evolved from plants. So that's how they were doing it. We didn't come up with a whole new thing. We grew arms and legs and teeth and stuff, you know, to move around and fight the other mobile creatures. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> essentially, we're essentially just container gardens walking uh, around, you know, doing podcasts and stuff. It's crazy. <laughs> it's I
0: don't, ex- I didn't expect to go down this route today. Yeah.
1: Uh, I had to because it's true. Yeah. glass i think i'm I'm just i I, want to just with that analogy i just want to illustrate the point that we're i'm isolated from the sun i can't make direct energy from the sun anymore i've had to like take the soil and derive energy in a different way so i'm now this sort of isolated life form who has to bring food in instead of just getting it from the sun and the soil even though i can't move i'm just sitting there as a plant as an animal now, I mean, I'm moving around, but I'm like a container, container garden. I'm, I'm mobile, but I'm isolated. You know, so that that's kind of like the trade-off.
0: And I suppose the recommendation there is keep it fed, compost tea. Um, I suppose it's and, and whatever that plant needs. We are example with the avocado. Mm-hmm. The water. Some things they want a lot of water. Some things they want not want too much water. No. And then you have to ha- strike that balance between your climate, uh, your humidity, um, and then just how much work you have. So yeah, again, yeah. It's, it's up to the individual. So every each individual container yard is going to be completely different.
1: <laughs> it, it is, like base, like even different houses, even, even a different apartment. If you're in an apartment block and you have the same exact apartment as the guy next door, you can have very different environments in there. Um, and and not just because of, it's probably the same sunlight and the same amount of space and all that stuff, but there's different stuff in the apartment and there's different people in the apartment. Like a a container garden requires a farmer and that farmer has to have time to do it and and purpose and, you know, wanting to do it. So it would be very different. If your purpose is to just grow a supplemental food, um, you could probably handle that, um, so you just want to keep it within something that you know you can actually manage and all that really matters in the end is that you're growing what you want for you like for your purposes whether it's health or flavor or fun or you're just interested in plants um, but yeah just yeah containers really really makes things flexible we want to build some on our railing here we have a kind of a railing that kind of looks out over over the view and i want to build some kind of railing boxes like maybe cedar, I might like mill some cedar or something, and just make a bunch of boxes in the sunny area, um, which would be great because then we could actually have a little food while we're out on the porch and snack and get some fiber. Like what, um, what? What have you? Um, what do you, do you like? Have any house plants in your house in containers for the purpose of refreshing the oxygen in the house?
0: Uh none. Um... None really. No, it, it's um, I just never get around to that. It, it never, um, it's very limited what we have in the house. Uh, just basically because I don't know, it's just something that never interested me. It was just to like the plants outside, just and uh, inside it's easier to uh, basically busy running around after kids all day. it, it just never, the house is more a functional space than a right in a space I have time to think others oh, I, I don't really have time to think in the house to go oh, uh, a nice plant would be nice there it's just <laughs> you're flat out just doing stuff and working and then it's uh, you're leaving one thing on to the next so it's something that uh, never really never really interested in me uh, my gats us now I think that's us in an hour maybe a bit more so uh, thanks very much for joining us okay Um. My pleasure. if, if basically you can get uh the sort of the lunchtime learning series for episode seven on small space garden on vine forward slash LL seven. And next week we discuss, we have a series on composting, hot composting, cool composting, and then Bakashi or vermicomposting as well. Sort of like the sort of specialities, we bit of a, a wee bit of a twist. So that's our sort of first one on, Composting so I love composting, so I'm looking forward to that one.
1: <laughs> I am too. I, I'm gonna to tell we have a, a worm garden, a five-year-old worm garden, six-year-old worm garden. I'm gonna tell the worms as soon as I'm done here about next week. So they're gonna be, be, fam- right. be famous.
0: They're gonna be famous. I think so. I'm gonna
1: get the camera in there.
0: yeah uh, Mike, thanks very much. I'll uh chat to you next week.
1: Okay. All right, thank you, Cormac. Cheers.
0: I'm need. No one can guess what I came. There's a sun in the sky